Welcome back to the VIP Code. This is your host, Marley Jacks. We're talking everything video impact and profit. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Jeff Lerner. Jeff and I met, you know, on this world of the internet. We're both in the ClickFunnels community. He is a force to be reckoned with, and his story is so profound to hear his upbringing and how he knew he was different, but he didn't let that stop him. He also shares a lot in his story about how he clearly didn't follow the norm. He knew that that wasn't meant for him and he completely went against the grain. And in knowing that he was different, instead of letting that hold him back, he used that to create this unbreakable connection with his audience. And he's gonna share a lot in his story. And my goodness, you can tell that this man is just so worldly, so intelligent. He has had so much life experience that I could just listen to him for hours. So I hope you enjoy uh, getting to know him on this podcast. Here it is with Jeff Lerner. You've probably been told that content is key to growing your business, right? There are so many experts who spend a ton of time cranking out incredible content consistently, and yet they're broke. See, there's a huge difference in growing your following and growing your income. How do you create content in a way that actually gets you paid over and over again? Like turning every video into an army of salesmen that deliver your perfectly crafted message around the world, around the clock, perpetually, forever. I'm Marley Jacks, and you're listening to The VIP Code. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today on the VIP Code Podcast. Guys, we're in for a treat because Jeff is a multi-million dollar earner. I can see if, if you're watching the video of this, there are two, two Common Club X awards behind him. And I want to hear the story of how he created that, how he's selling high ticket, what he's doing with video. One of the things that really was interesting to me that I wanted to, to hear more about your story, Jeff, because you and I both had this experience of being bullied as a child. And I can say for me personally, Part of that is what created who I am today. It shaped me because it, it, for me, it's like I had something to prove. And I think that turned me towards entrepreneurship. Would you talk about your story there? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course I will. And thank you. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. I, uh, I enjoyed very much having you on, on my show, on the Millionaire Secret Show. What a great episode we had. And I'm grateful to get to, to you know, I don't know, repay the it's not a favor, but whatever it is. to Oh, it, it is. I'm so excited <laughs> to hear this and for my audience to hear it. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Um, yeah, I mean, the bully thing, like total 100% uh, no brainer. And, and, and I don't think that's unique to us. I don't, I don't think that's unique to bullying. I, I mean, I, one of my favorite sort of like I do, I'll, I'll, let me just put this right out on the table. I do a lot of therapy. I love talking about therapy and psychology and optimizing ourselves and dealing with our crap, but also uh, amplifying our strengths. Um, so I don't know if anybody doesn't want to hear people talk about therapy, they should turn us off now. But uh, yes. one of my fa favorite sort of therapeutic influences, a guy named John Bradshaw um, does a lot of work around shame. And, you know, look, if you're, if you're going to start putting yourself out on video on the internet, which I know your audience, you, know, you talk about that a lot. Um, you're, your shame stuff's going to come up, right? Like the human frailty and insecurity and just weird thing that we have about not being good enough. That's going to come up. And Bradshaw is a great guy to go to. He has a great book, Healing the Shame That Binds Us. Um, but one of the things he says, is he said, adults spend their entire adult life uh, trying to get their, their unmet 
childhood need or trying to meet their unmet childhood needs. Mm-hmm. Whatever loops you didn't close in childhood, you'll spend your entire adult life trying to close them. That's why you see people duplicating the same relationship over and over and over, trying to finally get that love and acceptance that maybe they never got from their parents or trying to, uh, you know, they keep trying to save other people because there was maybe someone in their past that, that they couldn't save. They lost a, a family member to that maybe their brother died of cancer when they were a kid or like you just, we do it, man. We all do it. And, and I love, uh, you know, first of all, entrepreneurship in general is just this, this force, this pressure. It's like being inside of a kiln, right? Like the heat and pressure that like literally like think of a ceramic pot. If it, if you, if it survives the kiln, it comes out hardened, but sometimes it doesn't and it, and it explodes and it, and it comes out as pulverized dust, right? Like that's entrepreneurship. Um, but even beyond that, you couple putting, putting yourself out there on the internet in video. And it's the ultimate crucible to bring all your crap up to the surface and force you to either, it'll, either you finally conquer it or it will conquer you right. once and for all. And, and you'll, you'll, be, you'll, you'll walk away defeated and you'll probably have lost something and never have a chance to get it again. Um, and yeah, so for, me, for you and me, bullying was that thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you, whether it's the awards on the wall whether it's the direct messages I get from people talking about the positive impact that our program and myself and we're having in people's lives or just honestly, every little win, I'd be lying if I didn't think like, there you go. Take that mother Mm -hmm. effers. Like (laughs) I I remember you, I remember you. And I know you see me now. How you like me now? Like, I mean, seriously, it's silly, but it's there every day. It is. And it's, it's like, there's that part of us that, I don't know that every entrepreneur is willing to admit this. It certainly took me a lot of therapy to realize that, wait a minute, my business is also part of me that's chasing that approval. It's chasing that self-worth that I was looking for the external validation because of, like you said, chasing the open loops from childhood. But then to get to that place of self-awareness and realize why I'm doing that and then realize will what what is enough? What will actually make me happy? And that's where you, you know, you generate that self-worth within and and you can feel good about the people that you're changing and to know that like I can thank the past because it made me who I am today. I don't need to look at it with resentment anymore. Oh, 100%. I am so grateful. You know, I I, I mean, and here's the thing, and, and I think this is where my bullying or my insecurity or my shame or whatever, it has a little bit of a unique quality that I don't that actually isn't unique, but I think it it sort of puts a fine point on mine. I was born with a genetic disorder. I have a genetic disorder called Wardenburg syndrome. I remember when my parents sat me down and they said, you know, you might always look a little different and you might always feel like something like you don't quite fit in. And, you know, this is a thing. It's, it's in our family bloodline. And, you, you know, and if you go, I mean, people can go Google Wardenburg syndrome and they'll see kids that look like I looked like when I was a kid. It's just like, you kind of have a look to it. Right. And I still, to this day, I get it on the internet. People say like, Hey, you're, you seem really successful for a down syndrome kid. And like, I mean, they, they'll, they'll put that in my comments, you yeah. know? And, and, and it's like, it's, I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for it because, you know, at the end of the day, what makes us great is whatever, whatever makes us different is our chance to become great. We're never going to be great insofar as we're just like everybody else. 
we're going to be great when we find those things that make us unique and special. And we, and we finally come to peace with them and we accept them and we lean into them and we nurture them and we scale them for impact or money or, or, you know, in inventing new technology or feeding the home, like whatever your thing is, whatever your jam is, it's going to come from, from leaning into and scaling your unique and special qualities. And so for me, the fact that I almost feel like I was kind of marked from day one, like thou shalt not be like other people. Mm. As I've come to terms with that, it's become the absolute source of my strength. I imagine that gives you such a perspective that, that people can connect with you when they also feel like they might have something that's holding them back. They might have a fear or they want to chase their dreams even though society is telling them that what they are isn't normal. I say that in quotations or what the world expects. Of yeah. Them. Yeah. I mean, you know, I say, oh, I have Wardenberg syndrome. I also have entrepreneur syndrome mm. and that's something a lot of people get marked with, right? Like it's ironic that the thing that when I was growing up, I felt like alienated me and separated me from the people that I so badly wanted to belong with now is the thing that I think connect in, in some ways it connects me to people because mm -hmm we all have a feeling that we don't belong. We all have a feeling that somehow we were a, we were a, we were a model that should have been discarded. Like we came off the, the, the assembly line with a broken part and somehow we made it into the store shelves and they should have tossed us out. Like we all feel that. Right. And um, my, my difference, my differentness has become my sameness. And it's actually really cool to connect with people around that. Absolutely. So walk me through what's the journey from you being, you know, childhood, teenager, going through these adversities. Did you always know you'd be an entrepreneur? Like what would you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. So it's cool too. I mean, you, I just love, um, and, and I'm just going to say this for anyone. I will say that one of the most valuable exercises I've ever done in my life, in my, my, my life, not just my therapeutic journey, but my life journey um, there's a, there's something called, um, there was a, a really prominent psychologist in the, the 20th century named Eric Erickson, um, who actually never even got a college degree, but he, that didn't mean that he didn't end up teaching at Harvard and Yale and UC Berkeley. And he was one of the most prominent psychologists of the 20th century. And he created a model called the stages of psychosocial development. And it's these eight stages that human beings go through starting in infancy, toddler, grade school, adolescence, adult, you know, and so on. There's these stages and every stage you're trying to accomplish, you're trying to resolve a crisis. Mm -hmm. um, and in the resolution of that crisis, you acquire a virtue and you're now able to move on to the next phase or the next stage and conquer the next crisis. And so if you just Google Eric Erickson or just Google stages of psychosocial development and then look, and then look at yourself through the lens of that those stages and look back on your life and you'll see like, it's so amazing. You'll see like, man, when I was in, when I was in high school, I was supposed to be resolving this crisis and acquiring this virtue, but I never did. This happened and it went askew for me. And no wonder now here I am 40 years old, reliving the same mess over and over. And you, it gives you like a roadmap to go back and, and, and do the hard work to heal yourself. It's, it's so cool. So anyway, I, I, I see myself, I see my past now as this like continuous narrative to get me where I am today. And I'm so, you can't not, for me, I can't not be grateful for literally every single page in that book, in every one of those chapters, because if I regret something about my past, 
that means I'm regretting something about my present. Mm -hmm. And if I'm regretting something about my present, regret is the wrong emotion. Action is the right thing. You know, take action, change it now. There's no point in regretting the present. It's the present, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I don't even really operate with the word regret anymore in my life. Um, and, and, and anyway, so the journey now, as I look back, I realize having to make, having to reconcile at a very early age, this feeling that I was never going to be like everybody else, that it was, it was literally coded into my DNA, not to be like other people was such a gift because so much of the rest of my life became possible because I was no longer really trying to belong and fit in and be like everybody else. Like once you realize that at a genetic level, you cannot physically be like everybody else. Doesn't that sound like the most liberating thing in the world viewed through a, a certain lens? Like, holy mm -hmm. crap, I don't have to bother trying to fit in. Right. This is amazing. Freedom. And so, so everything after that, like high school, I, I decided high school is for people that are going to get a job. I don't want to get a job. I had a job when I was 16. I lasted three weeks. I got fired. I hated it. I don't want to do that anymore. And since clearly school is how society prepares you to have a job someday, why, why bother? I dropped out. And, and I, you know, again, I kind of had this free, this carefree way to just do these things that most people are like, oh my gosh, weren't you scared? And I was like, no, I was way more scared to stay in school. Wow. Um, I didn't, and I didn't drop out and go join a gang and deal drugs. I got kicked out of school because I was skipping class to go to the library and read great books. I was reading, you know, Faulkner and Huxley and Shakespeare and Kierkegaard and, you know, Hobbes. And, and like, I was, that's, I was like, I'm way more interested in learning from great minds than listening to like underpaid bureaucrats, AKA teachers prattle mm -hmm. about like the dress code and whether I'm supposed to fill out the Scantron and pen or pencil. Right. And so I literally got kicked out of school for learning too much in my own way. And mm -hmm. so I just, I, so I was like, okay, well, screw that. I'll just be a musician. You know, I played some guitar in middle school and I think I was a quick study. So I'm going to become a piano player because based on my limited assessment of the music industry, pianists make the most money. They can get the most gigs. You don't have to lug a bunch of gear around. If you get good gigs, you just show up and play the piano that's already there. Like there were a lot of practical reasons why being a piano player made sense. Plus I could learn to sing and then I could be a one man band and get paid the whole amount and not have to split it up with a bass player and a drummer and all that. So I just, I dropped out of school and started practicing piano like 12 hours a day. Um, and it took me three years. Uh, I, I burned through some money that my parents had set aside for me to be able to go to college someday. And they were pretty supportive. They actually bought me a piano to practice on. And, you know, they, I was always pretty good at kind of explaining my position. And, and I think I made an argument that was hard to counter hmm. about like why I should, why I didn't belong in school. And they're like, okay, you know, you're making your bed. You're going to have to sleep in it. High school or life can be kind of tough for a high school dropout. But if you're okay with that, here you go. Here's a piano you know, we'd like to see you practice. Don't, don't like go play video games. And I practiced uh, like a maniac for three years, uh, ended up auditioning and I was able to get into a college level music performance program, even though I didn't finish high school. Um, so I did actually go to college and I majored in jazz. I majored in music composition with an emphasis in jazz piano performance. And I also minored in finance because I kind of had this sense that like, you know, if the music thing doesn't ever get me everything I want in this world, I'm probably going to want to like have some business skills. So I minored in finance and 
of stuff, you know, kind of focused on like managerial accounting and how businesses are operated. And that always intrigued me. It was like, it was all like a piece of music, the way that you have themes and motifs and it all fits together and there's a larger structure, but you know, in the beauty is in the moment. It's, you know, you don't want to miss the, the forest for the trees, but you don't want to miss the trees for the forest. And like, there's all these parallels between music and business. And yeah, I spent my twenties just kind of on this like quixotic, meandering journey through the music scene of Houston, Texas, playing some really great gigs. Um, I actually, a, a lot of my formative elements or, or formative experiences was actually playing piano in the homes of billionaires. So wow. I was labeled, I was able to land these gigs um, because I was young and I, I, I got a nice suit and I didn't smoke. So I didn't stink and I showed up on time and I was respectful and I knew how to network and mingle appropriately, not talk too much, but not be too withdrawn either. And, you know, I, I was somebody that these super rich people felt safe having in their home, mm-hmm. uh, which sadly not all musicians fit that description. Wow. <laughs> and, um, so I, I would go to these parties and I would, I literally, I mean, I played for like James Baker, the former secretary of state. I played for, you know, Lynn Wyatt, who was like, you know, the weekend before I played at her house, she had had Elton John staying at her house. And the, and the week before that, Fer, uh, Fergie, the Duchess of York, like she was a super, uh, I played for these really high level Houston socialite people. I played for most of the upper management at Enron, which is kind of scandalous, but you know, um, I played for the owners of all the major Houston sports teams, the billionaires, uh, Tillman Fertitta, uh, Jim Crane, who owns the Astros. I played for Bob McNair, who owns the Houston Texans. And like, I would, I literally got to talk to these people. It'd be like me and 10 or 20 people in their homes at these little private parties. And I would take a break and I would go try to talk to them. And, and that was so influential for me because I started literally asking billionaires, like, so clearly you've been pretty successful. Got any advice? Like, how'd you do it? Right. And you think about it now. I mean, you and I know what it costs to join a mastermind to get access to a guy that's made $50 million. Right. What about me for free getting access to people that have made billions of dollars? Yeah. Getting to pick them. And they're rent. paying you actually because. You're Dude, those were the best gigs. Those gigs would pay yeah. me like four or $500 an hour nice. to play piano in their house. And so I just, I I got obsessed with this vision of like what's possible in the world. Like, holy crap, man. And here's the thing. None of them came from money. It's not like, oh, well, some of them did and some of them didn't. I mean, if I go through the list of all the billionaires that I met with, Jim Crane, Bob McNair, Tillman Fertitta, Ken Lay, CEO of Enron, Andy Fastow. And now admittedly, Enron was a a scam, and but they were still really smart. You know, there's things they did right along with the things they did wrong. Um, You know, people that, you know, were high up at Halliburton, people that were high up at um, Duke Energy and uh, athletes. I played for Jeff Fisher, the coach of the Houston Texans, like all these ridiculously successful people. None of them were born with a silver spoon. Hmm. So I had a completely different worldview by my mid-20s than most people where I'm like, okay, hardship is an asset. There's no ceiling on what you can achieve with hard work and street smarts and anything is possible. And it's possible to make a life where you get to create most of the time and do stuff that you love because I already pulled that off because I'm a jazz musician. 
Look at that. Yeah. So like that was my frame from my mid twenties on. And I think when you really understand that it's like everything I've done since then becomes pretty, pretty sane, mm -hmm. even though to most people, it seems crazy. Um, so anyway, that, that's kind of the setup for the journey. And then I had business ups and downs and I went into a ton of debt and then I started marketing on the internet to pay off the debt. And I, I found affiliate marketing and I hit it big with that. And I had a digital agency and I hit it big with that. And now I have an education company and I hit it big with that. So I've kind of had like three really big wins online in the last 12 years, you know, that I've, I, at this point, I'm probably creeping up on about $70 million in, in online sales. Um, but that was on the heels of at least 10 failures. Absolutely. And getting my ass kicked, but, but never stopping. So it's interesting. Let's talk about the debt for a second. Cause I think like what you just said can give a lot of people permission that you've had these big wins, but that also came off the back of multiple failures. I have personally been to a place where I almost lost everything. I was investing in my business. I was trying to make it to the next level. And I just like, I was investing faster than I was earning the money back. Mm -hmm. And, um, and unfortunately like the outside world tried to place a lot of shame on me for that. But I also looked at that as I was able to overcome that. And I've learned from that. Now you can't take that away from me. Yeah. It's funny how little the world understands our experience of it. Yeah. If they've never been in our shoes. And I say our, I mean, people that are more, and, and I'm, forgive me for making an assumption. I'm including you in a group that I know I'm a part of. <laughs> people that are more interested in impact, value creation, and, and creating high leverage, exponential results in their life than they are in safety and security. Amen. Yes. You and I talked about this on, on the podcast episode. I was on, on your, on your podcast and I have left so many opportunities for safety and security because I want to play this game. I want to grow. I want to see how far I can take it. There have been months, probably years even where I didn't pay myself because I just wanted to invest and I wanted to keep growing and that won't stop. Yeah, I, I pulled this off the wall. I don't know. Is this a is this is this a YouTube show or a podcast or both? We'll put this. We'll we'll have the video on uh, on Facebook as well. Okay, so then your audience can see this is my tax return okay. from two thousand eight. I don't know if you can see the numbers, but I'll tell you that in two thousand eight, which was my rock bottom, I have filed a negative forty thousand dollar tax return. Wow. Um, I took a loss, which was actually only a small part of what I could claim from a $495,000 pile of debt when, when my two franchise restaurants went under and I was left holding the bag on a, these, these SBA guaranteed, um, you know, franchise business loans, small business administration. So they're federally guaranteed, which means I don't just owe the bank. I owe the treasury. I owe the United States treasury. It's the same thing as owing um, taxes. So I had the equivalent of over $300,000 in tax debt plus, almost $200,000 in other miscellaneous debts, mo most of which were to landlords um, and, and some state agencies like Texas Workforce Commission and state payroll taxes and stuff. And uh, that was where I was at when I got started. And, and yeah, I mean, to talk about the shame and, and the judgment, you know, and even the bullying, I remember, so my, my, my ex-wife, she was done. She was like, you're crazy, you're reckless, you're, you're a gamble, I don't wanna live this life. Um, I never should have, dated a musician, but if I was going to date a musician, at least I should have dated a musician that would just stick with being a musician because 
musicians don't end up half a million dollars in debt. That's a musician times being an entrepreneur. And that's even worse. I'm like, ah, so, um, you know, she was done with me, but I ended up living with her parents. And I remember, it's funny, the things that, that ring in your ears, it still rings in my ears to this day. I remember her, she was done. And I was like, I was talking to her dad and I was like, you know, I, I really would like to make this work. Is there any way you, you could maybe put in a word for me or at least, at least encourage her to be open-minded to talk to me about making this work? And he said, you know, it's not my fault that you were so arrogant that you thought you could just go start a business and, and never have to get a job like normal people. So yeah. no, basically, so no, I'm not going to put in a good word for you because frankly, I don't want her to stay with you. This right. was the subtext. But that's Yeah. And I was, and, and what, what's funny is I had already started making money at that point. Like I had, I was crushing it in affiliate marketing. I was making every month about what he made in a year. And, uh, but I was trying to deal, there, I was trying to solve a problem that I couldn't solve with money and I needed his help. But yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm, I have no remorse over that. I, I'm happily remarried and I have an amazing family and beautiful children and every, I want for nothing in life. But um, it was interesting that I still, I still wonder, like, I wonder if he's seen my videos. I wonder <laughs> if he sees what I'm up to yet. Like, like it, it's so dumb. It's so childish. Yeah. But I also, whatever, I look at anything that fuels me as an asset. Yeah. You know, without judgment. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's, I don't know. You, you were talking about the debt and uh, giving people permission and, and yeah, that debt never seemed that the people like, how did you overcome that debt? And I'm like, I don't care if you owe somebody, if you owe $5,000, or you owe $500,000. First of all, if you're a jazz musician, they're, they're both seemingly insurmountable amounts of money. I mean, I, I helped a buddy of mine the other day who's got a $6,500 in collections that he's been trying to get, a, get out from underneath for a year. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, some people it's $6,000 is crippling. Couldn't get a car. He couldn't get an apartment. Like it was ruining his life. I'm like, dude, like, I'll help you out. Like we'll figure it out. Right? So it, it doesn't matter. The amount, the dollar amount doesn't matter. The, the point is I would have done the same thing, whether it was 5,000 or 500,000 or 50 million, which is find a new thing to focus on, get obsessed with getting really good at it, generate as much leverage as possible, reject all the competing influences and distractions in my life that were going to interfere with me and my potential greatness and get to effing work, you mm -hmm. know? And uh, you're right. I mean, I don't know why people need permission to be like that, but if I can help, I'm glad to. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that like the, the, the cost of that is, is a tuition. It's tuition that you pay to, to learn that, to overcome that, to everything you just said about like rejecting um, what, what isn't, you know, the direction that, that you're supposed to be going. So from, from there, and I, I also resonate so much with, you know, talking about the marriage not working. It's, it's no surprise to my audience. I was very public about my divorce too. And it was interesting. There was actually an experience where I was speaking at an event and there was a panel on stage and this woman very courageously took the mic and said, Marley, can I ask you, did, did your marriage end because of your business? And I think the audience was like, oh, like how right. could you ask her that? But I, I didn't mind the question. I said, you know what? And, and I never want to like speak poorly about him. We, we don't communicate anymore. And that's, you know, personal choice and healthy that way. But, um, but I, I just, I was able to just honestly say, yeah, you know, I, when we got married, I wasn't the, the person that, that, 
that he wanted me to in, in the future. Sorry, I guess I was not the same person that he married and entrepreneurship grows you, you evolve, um, really anything that you do, you you're growing, you're changing, you're evolving. Um, and, uh, interesting the, the perceptions that sometimes can be put onto us like your your former father-in-law saying that what you were doing was arrogant but look at what you're doing now and the the thousands of people that you impact and help them to make millions of dollars like i'm i'm yeah. thankful for that well no i i appreciate that and i am too and and, and the thing i i think that you know, as entrepreneurs, I, I talk a lot about currency, like what's your currency, mm -hmm. right? There's different currencies. And, and now with the crypto conversation, this has become kind of more relevant and people are like, oh yeah, not, not all money is dollars, right? But not all value is money. And, and so, you know, what's your currency? What currency are you operating in? For me, I, you know, I operate in, I, I compartmentalize life into physical, personal, and professional. I talk about that all the time, the three Ps, right? And, and in, in the professional part of your life, money is a big currency. Um, impact, influence, to me, that's a big currency. My, I'm, I'm, I, and they're, all, they're interrelated, right? I'm trying to grow my influence. I'm trying to grow my authority. I'm trying to grow my professional credibility. And all that tends to also grow your money, right? Um, but I mean, there's way different types of currency. I had a guy, yesterday was my birthday, and I had a guy direct message me on Instagram. He's been following me for probably almost two years. I don't think he's actually a customer of mine. I mean, I could look, maybe he bought a course or something, but he's not like, you know, really involved in my, biz, on, in my business life. He's not a customer. He's just a, a, you know, I don't even like the term follower. He's, I consider him as like an extended friend. You know, he follow, follows me on, online. And he, came, he sent me a long message yesterday. It was my birthday. He was like, he, he actually recorded himself saying happy birthday and thanking me for the, inf the influence and lifting people up and everything that I'm doing. And then he shared with me uh, that he had actually came out to his family yesterday wow. on my birthday. Wow. Because he felt just so inspired because of the, you know, I'm not taking credit for it, but like he said, it was a big influence for me. And, and on your birthday, I just wanted you to know, I finally came out to my family today. Hills. And oh my God, I, I was reading it last night on the way home. I had to pull over because I started crying and I was driving it like that. There, there's I, look, I love money, but there's no amount of money that's, that's worth more than that, you know? And, and that's why, why I think we do what we do. And as entrepreneurs, that's what I think everybody should be, should, should embrace and get so excited about is they're not mutually exclusive. Like in life so often we, 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 we draw these, like these artificial, we create these dichotomies, right? Where it's like, okay, during the week, I, I have my head down and I make my money. And then on Sunday I go to church and I repent and I'm moral and I do good. You can have it all as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Those don't have to be different components of your life. Faith, mm -hmm. spirituality, impact, good word, good, good work, e even evangelism, even evangelizing hope and prosperity and abundance and opportunity and lifting people up, um, healing, even your, 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 I wouldn't say your political causes. I think that's kind of icky, but like your political energy, if you're all about inclusion and acceptance, that can be manifest in your business and getting paid. Like you can do it all. I want to point out that like 
what Jeff is also speaking about doesn't mean that you have to get up on a soapbox and preach this and, and yes, like take a stand, share your stories. But what, what Jeff and I do in our content is like, we're, we're sharing who we are and how amazing that this man on your birthday, that, that, you know, you don't know too well, he follows you and he's been a, you know, extended friend, like you said, um, you never know the level of impact that you can make. I actually got a, a message. I just remember this on my birthday as well from a woman. I'll never forget the way she worded it, that she was saying there were parts of myself that I couldn't heal until I found you. And I don't know what piece of content it was that I shared that gave her that emotional healing. And probably for you, it's like, what, what was that thing that you said to that man that helped him to come out to his family? But to know that we can just authentically be ourselves and sure there's like the traumas and the pain in the in the history of our life that made us to that but like thanks for that i, I, I can shake hands with the past because if i could help this person you can help that man it is so worth it yeah i mean i i, I talked to a guy um who his name is david wagner and he owns a he owns a he's a hairstylist and he started a line of salons called jute salons and he has a a book about, and he has a movement, he calls it the Daymaker movement. And his, his philosophy was just like in his business as a salon owner and as a stylist, before he owned his own salon, he was a stylist. Whoever was in his chair, he wanted to make their day. Mm-hmm. He wanted for that hour or two hours, whatever it was, they were just going to feel, they were going to get loved on and pampered and tended to like they probably never had anywhere else in their life. Wow. And, and he tells his story in his book about a, a lady who, it's like, I get emotionally just thinking about it. She messaged him later, like thanking him for saving her life. And she said, I was going to kill myself and I wanted to look good in my coffin. So I came in to get my hair done. Wow. And you took care of me at, at such a level that I couldn't, I just couldn't bear the thought of, of following up what you did for me with what I was planning to do to myself. Mm-hmm. And now I'm here to tell about it. Like, Holy crap, the impact we can have in this world through how we do our business. I am speechless now. I'm like, what are we talking about next? <laughs> I know. All right. It's I, it, here. I mean, here's the thing though. If, if I can just inspire people that, and, and I'm sure you feel the same, like you, this type of living is possible. Somebody asked me, um, I have this little series of content I do called Ask Jeff or one of my video guys comes in and just points a camera and he asks me questions and I have no idea what he's going to ask me. And he doesn't give me any time to compose myself. And he's just a camera. And I have like about three seconds to come up with my answer because there's, I know how long the intro is and there's a little beat with an audio stamp and then I have to answer. And, and he was like, what do you, it was something like, what's your greatest joy? What do you, what would you go do that would be the most fulfilling or something? And I was like, listen, dude, I'm right here in this chair. I, there is no, discrepancy in my life between work and fulfillment. And um, I just want everyone to know that, that that life is available for anyone. I mean, I don't think there's anything inherently different about you or me. You know, I'm the genetic misfit bullied kid. Like who the hell am I, right? Like anybody can do this. That's my message. That is powerful. And, and here you are, now you you've made i think you said you're coming up on 70 million dollars or if you, you've surpassed 70 million dollars that's a lot of impact one of the things that i say to my audience is the transformation is in the transaction um that 
if you want to reach more people, put a dollar sign in front of what you do. So a lot of people might think that if I give things away for free, that's more accessible. It can reach more people. But when you actually put a dollar sign in front of it, when people pay, they pay more attention and they are willing to invest in themselves emotionally and financially to create that transformation. And I know that you have a value ladder that what's your highest ticket? Tell yeah. Me. Yeah. We can. And I know, you know, I want to, I want to talk about that. I don't want to, every you or anyone to think like, Oh, if we got to keep it at this high level, like feel good stuff, well, like we can get into the weeds of the business. Yeah. And I have a, a $60,000 level in my, in my company and in, in our, our, it's school. I don't know if legally I can say it's a school because we're not accredited, but it's right. Entra Institute, right? Like mm -hmm. you can come into Entra and you can spend $39 and you get amazing value. You can come into Entra, you can spend $60,000 and get amazing value. Mm -hmm. And my commitment is that whatever you invest, we're going to deliver you 10 times the value. That, that's our standard. But I'll tell you this, if you went through our community and you surveyed and you said, and you talked to people and, and you, you had them really not just give like a score of one to 10, but you had them really articulate how working in our company has changed their life in a really like visceral, meaningful way that's going to last forever. There's a pretty close correlation between the people who've invested more have benefited more, mm -hmm. which, which goes to your point, right? As soon as you start attaching value to things, um, people tend to get out of things what they put into it and nothing in, nothing out is usually how it works. Absolutely. I think of all the um, you know, the masterminds or the courses or the events, whatever that I've invested into. And sometimes it would feel like, oh, I got to hold on to this money because I don't know like where I'm going to be able to get more of it. Like that, that's a common mindset that people have had that I've had to go through too. Um, but then the shift of like, if I invest this and I, you know, I pay attention, I implement, I build the relationships, I've got skin in the game. I am going to make this back tenfold. And when you invest that, you're also, you have the permission, not that anyone needs to give it to you. If I pay that, I can earn that back tenfold, whether it's, I can charge that now because I've experienced this, I've invested this in myself. Um, so I always, I think that investing in yourself and, and putting that dollar sign into what you're going to put into yourself is tenfold. You will always get that back with you, with that mindset. Yeah. When I, um, when I had this vision, um, 2000, it was like summer, fall, 2018. Well, some 2016 is when I got on the phone with someone, um, uh, by the way, I, I didn't have to pay to be on the phone with him, but I had, I had had to pay a lot to be a part of an organization that was able to connect me to this person. So to your point, if I hadn't invested, I never would have been on the phone with this guy. This guy was the number eight hire at Microsoft. Um, one, you know, he used to run a $10 billion business unit for Bill Gates and close personal friends with the guy. 2016, he told me, in terms of what you can do that's going to be really meaningful and disruptive and, and, and leave a legacy way beyond making some good money, um, there's a few industries and probably the most accessible one is education. Mm -hmm. That's what he told me. And so since 2016, I was very interested in doing something disruptive in education. Finally, in 2018, I was able to materialize that I, uh, I sold my agency. I mean, you asked about the eight-figure awards. One of them is for a funnel that we built inside our agency. Um, you know, not to totally brag, but also the two Inc. 5000 awards on the wall are from that agency. So it was a really successful business, right? And um, I, I honestly could have kept growing it and wrote it out for years and probably decades and had a great life. But it wasn't having, I didn't feel like helping 
and no knock against digital agencies, but I didn't feel for me personally and what I felt like I had to offer the world, I didn't feel like helping plumbers and landscapers and roofers get their business found on Google was the highest and best gift that I could give to the world, right? So I sold the agency and um, fall, about fall of 2018, I, I had this vision of like, I want, and this is, I'll tell you my vision, essentially. I was, I was on a jog and uh, I was listening to Blue Ocean Strategy, which is an incredible business book about creating your own blue oceans so you don't have to fight it out with the sharks in the, in the red ocean, right? And um, I was like, okay, so look at what Tony Robbins did for, for personal transformation. Prior to Tony Robbins, there were like seminars and there were tapes you could listen to that would like motivate you or lift you up or give you new perspective. There was, there was Zig Ziglar and there was Jim Rohn and there was Earl Nightingale and that stuff was all. But Tony Robbins really created the category of like immersive whole self transformation outside of medical therapy. Mm -hmm. Look at what he did in the personal development space. And then, but the, but the problem is, let's say you hate your job. And you go to a Tony Robbins event and you get all radically ready to transform, but you go home, you don't have a new job. You don't have new transferable skills. You have a new perspective and now you got to figure out what the hell am I going to do, right? And frankly, at that job you hate, they're probably not that interested in hearing about the new you and how empowered you are. So who, who actually is out there at the forefront with new skills, new modern ways of looking at business, bringing kind of fringe, direct response, marketing and business into the mainstream, making the word funnel no longer mean something that is in a drawer in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. Our guy, Russell Brunson, right? Right. So he's out there with tools and business perspective. Tony Robbins out there with personal, like really well-founded psychology and personal growth theory. And, and, you know, they kind of clearly had somewhat the same idea because Russell licensed Tony stuff and created this funnel flicks thing or whatever, but it's, it's really not, it's not a, it's not a fully synthesized event where both things happen in equal measure. And then what about the modern way of marketing? You know, Tony Robbins, he's got a massive business. He's riding a legacy infrastructure because he had, he built this incredible live events and infomercial business. So he doesn't have to go out there and like do like scrappy organic growth hacking right? Russell, he's riding the wave of having this huge software company. And he built a lot of that momentum back when you were doing list JVs, you were doing really high converting webinars, you were doing some different kind of stuff that again, isn't really like 2021 growth hacker relevant. But who is Grant Cardone? Mm. This guy's blown up out of nowhere in the last five, 10 years. And I'm not saying he didn't have a great business before that, but in terms of social media prominence, he's the number one sales and marketing influencer in the world. So my epiphany was, I was on this jog. I was like, okay, let's, let's take the full, the fullness of what Tony does, not just the token, like, oh, let's pepper a little bit of mindset into every course we sell. I mean, the full whole life transformation that Tony does, couple it with the tools, strategies, and marketing science of what Russell does. And then multiply it times the growth hacking and the, and the social media strategy of what Grant Cardone does. Wow. What if you could put all that together and smash it together in like this perfect, like Voltron, unstoppable machine of education? That I like, by the time I got to the end of my jog, I was very out of breath. And I was also like, oh shit, what the hell did I just think about? Because now I've either got to do it or 
file it away as the one idea that I probably think about till the day I die is like, man, I wonder what would happen if I'd taken a shot at that. Wow. And uh, that was two years ago. That was 125,000 students ago. Wow. That was, I don't know, tens of millions of dollars ago. I mean, our target this year is a quarter million students and a hundred million dollars. Um, we're probably the fastest growing private education company in the world. We're enrolling students faster right now than any university in the world. Um, all because I came off of that jog and actually decided to do it. And my point is what was the very first thing I did? I went and hired a consultant, 10 grand a month to help me figure out how to do it. And, and, and everything that we figured out actually worked. So to your point about when you have a big vision of your life, should you invest in getting the right help to see it through? I would argue yes, because I've got 10,000% ROI and then some on that investment and it's only two years old. You know, when people say like, you can't cut corners, you kind of can when you hire the right people who have already cut them that they can just, you stand on the shoulders of giants, you follow the same path that they've taken. They give you new perspectives and context to be able to come up to those answers and those solutions like you just found. Yeah, you, you, my, my buddy James Altucher calls it, he just wrote, wrote a book, published a book called Skip the Line. You can skip mm-hmm. the line. You don't have to wait in line for your turn. It's your turn now. Get the right help. Go, go buddy up with the bouncer and you can skip the line. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the bouncer is a $10,000 a month consultant. Yeah. I I used to, uh, you know, outsiders, people that aren't the entrepreneurial mindset say, why would you invest that much money? And why are you buying into another mastermind? Why do you need that? And it's, and it's, you know, I don't need to explain it. And, but you can, you can watch what I do in a year or two years, five years from now. And I'll point back. You wanted to know why that was why. Yeah. And that's so true. But you know, it's funny too, is like, um, this conversation around the bullies and the insecurities and the, the human anxiety. And it, it, it never really, I'm curious if this is your experience of it. For me, if it ever stops, if I ever stop feeling that, that challenge, that fear, then that's, that's a signal for me that I'm actually not extending myself far enough because you can always conquer those demons on the plane that you're on. Yes. But as soon as you step up to a new plane, there's a whole new iteration of those battles that you have to fight all over again. And for me, look, I had done really well. I had sold an an eight-figure agency. Um, I had had an exit. I had built a great life for myself. I was 39. I had conquered most of those demons, I thought. Like, I'm I'm not walking down the street worried about what people think. Then I went for that job. (laughs) And then I had this vision of what I could maybe try to do in my life. And the last two and a half years since I had that experience, I've been slaying those dragons all over again. Started Mm -hmm. putting myself out there on video. Who pops up? Haters. People Mm -hmm. that tell me I'm an idiot. People that tell me I'm a loser. My my first video still to this day, I went back and watched one this morning. It's two and a half years old. It's got 55 views, Mm -hmm. right? And, And I was already successful. But it didn't mean that I was going to be successful now in my new reinvented self as a social influencer or whatever. And um, 
you know, I remember those videos I was putting out at that time. And cause I was really aggressive about it. I had a big vision of what I wanted to do. So I was actually spending money to boost those videos and get them out in front of cold audiences. And th that's where all the hate is. The hate's not going to come from your friends. They'll talk behind your back, but they're not going to post it in your feed. But you start boosting your videos out to cold audiences and suddenly you appear in the feed and they're like, who the, who the hell is this guy? And why is he telling me how to live my life and my feed? Um, they came out and they were vicious and I got to, you know, fight it all over again. And, uh, now I'm, now I'm at a new level. Right. And now in my head, I'm like, okay, where am I trying to go from here? And, and I'm sure the day is going to come when, you know, I'm going to do something like I've got a book that I'm, you know, we're shopping to major publishers right now and, and it's going to come out in 2022. And we've got a publicist that, you know, is going to be on board with the project and I'm going to be doing the, 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 the morning media circuit, you know, good morning America and the today show and that kind of stuff to talk about the book. And, um, you think I'm not going to have a whole new set of haters saying that I'm a scammer, I'm a ripoff artist, or I'm ugly, or I'm a loser, or I, I, you know, whatever people say, right. Because, you know, especially when you're talking about money, um, all, all the really nasty feelings come out because that's such a sensitive subject for people. Right. And I'm, I'm, the thing is, though, I'm excited about it because I don't look at the question as like, oh, how hard is that going to be or how scary is that going to be? I go, who do I get to become in order to win that battle? And I like that guy. I know I'm going to like that guy. Who do I get to become? I love that. I'm excited for that. Thank you for sharing all of that, Jeff. And I am so thrilled to have this comment on the, on the podcast. I was on, on your podcast. I remember I was like, we could just keep talking for hours. Um, I love your stories and just the, the mindset shifts that you've been able to share with my audience that I know that they're going to want to know how they can follow you, how they can, you know, get involved in, in the Entre Institute. So can you please share with us where they can go find you? Yeah, of course. I'd love to. And I appreciate the opportunity to do so. Um, we actually set up a page just so that literally every time I talk to Marley, whether it's Marley on my show or me on, why am I talking about you in the third person? Me on your show or you on my show. Um, there's a page we can send people to and it's millionairesecrets.com forward slash Marley J. Love it. Um, and you know, it's an affiliate page. Look, if somebody comes there and a year from now they get on my list and they buy something from me, we're going to send Marley a, I don't know, a, a bag of coffee beans or something. Love so. it. Maybe a few bucks even, but uh, it's affiliate marketing, right? It's what we do. It's the internet, but millionairesecrets.com forward slash Marley J. You're going to get a, everything I have to offer. You'll get uh, you, my YouTube channel, which has over 500 free training videos. And, and although I totally agree with Marley that, you know, really until people pay, they don't typically pay attention. It doesn't mean I'm not trying to give away a whole lot for free. I have over 500 training videos. My goal was to create a YouTube channel that for free was more valuable than an undergraduate Harvard education. And um, I don't know, maybe it's debatable, but I think we're making a good showing. So check that out. Uh, you can subscribe to my Millionaire Secrets podcast and you can actually download a, a free ebook that I wrote called The Millionaire Shortcut. And all that is at that page, millionairesecrets.com forward slash Marley J. Perfect, guys. Go to that site. We'll put it in the show notes as well. And feel free to, to reach out to Jeff. I, I follow you on Instagram. That seems to be my favorite place to, to follow yeah. you. Where else can people find you? Uh, yeah, Instagram is great. Um, Jeff Lerner Official is my handle on all the platforms. So that's a great one too. Awesome. Thanks guys for joining us. Thank you, Jeff, for spending some time with us. And we'll see you on the next episode of the VIP Code. Bye guys. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The VIP Code. If you got any value from this episode, do me a huge favor, pull out your phone, screenshot the podcast app and text it to a friend who might also get some value. If you want a shout out, share it on Instagram, tag me at Marley Jacks and I will repost it. Thanks for listening and join us next time on The VIP Code Podcast.